Hello there. And uh, before we can let you listen to the real deal, I first have to let you know that this is a fan project. It is in no way related to or connected to or approved by DC Comics. We don't own any of these characters or any of the intellectual properties involved in this. We barely own our own voices, and I'm willing to sell mine for the right amount of money, Warner Brothers, so let me know. We just don't want to get sued over this because we're just fans who had an idea and made something. We are not monetizing this. We're not trying to get money out of it. We're not trying to get famous. We're just people who wanted to do something during the lockdown, and this is what happened. It's a cool thing, and we hope you enjoy it. Um, so, yeah, I think that covers our butts. So, without further ado, here's a cold night in Gotham. Enjoy. was a night like any other in Gotham City. Fog from across the Gotham City Bay had begun to roll across neighborhoods, creeping across the city, block by block, until the entirety of Gotham wore a blanket of ambiguity. Sirens lit up across the various streets and precincts, small whispers of hope and a notion of corruption. The police, EMTs, and firefighters would all be on their toes tonight. The wind cut through the jagged Gotham skyline, howling against the dark architecture. The stars looked down on the once stunning cityscape, now more a gothic memorial to a time long past. Few of the founding families in Gotham had the same luck as their forefathers. Save for a Wayne here and an Elliot there, most of Gotham had either been robbed by crime or absorbed into it, neither fate offering a promising future. The whole city would have gone to hell if not for Gotham's native fauna. Large nocturnal protectors with a penchant for breaking the bones of would-be kidnappers and bank robbers. Just when you thought you'd seen a monster stronger or faster than the bats, they'd surprise you, cutting through the darkness, giving Gotham a chance to survive for one more night, keeping everyone safe until the sunrise, letting everyone breathe a sigh of relief. But lately, things had been darker worse. Something rancid was cooking in the forgotten depths of Gotham City, and soon enough, everyone knew it would be time to pay the piper. Gotham has plenty of lunatics. Freeze, Ivy, Pig, the Riddler, just to name a few. But everyone knows who the Bat's rival is. The Joker, a criminal no one had ever heard of a few years ago, but had managed to rise through the ranks of Gotham City's nightlife. At first, his pranks were harmless enough, more of an inconvenience than a real danger. Stunts like airing the mayor's illicit phone calls to his secretary over the Saturday morning cartoons while children watched, 
replacing the GCPD's pepper spray with silly string, or putting grease on all of the handicapped entrances across Gotham City. But those days had long passed. Nowadays, the Joker liked to offer the homeless warm meals in exchange for unloading a gun into Gotham City's shopping centers, derailing monorails during the morning rush, or hiding in claymores in Gotham City's annual Halloween maze. This was a being of chaos, a killer, and he had been missing for six months. His absence was not mourned, but it was too much to wish for, thinking he'd moved to Metropolis or Coast City. Rumors had been floating around that Black Mask had put a bounty on the Joker's head, one big enough to get even the lowest of street-level thugs to take a swing at toppling the head of Gotham's crime world, and that one of them had finally done it. It seemed too good to be true, and in Gotham, when something seems too good to be true, it usually is. The call came in at 12.04 a.m. Report of a 1054 at 4th and DiMaggio. Possible code white, proceed with caution. The Joker had his own code now. When he first disappeared, there were plenty of false alarms, even a few copycats. By the fourth month, some were even pretending to be Harley Quinn, but those white herrings had faded into nothingness for weeks. At best, it was just local kids trying to scare their neighbors, but the very real possibility of a Joker sighting couldn't be ignored, and so every reported appearance was treated as the genuine article. The first detectives on the scenes were Javier Esposito and Kevin Ryan, both veterans of the police force. The house in question was a two-story home towards the outer edge of Gotham's suburbs, where the old money went to live when they began to run dry, trading mansions for townhomes and chateaus for gated communities. Nicer than most places in Gotham, but far from the extravagance their kind was accustomed to. Some even had to place their children in public schools. When Ryan arrived at the scene, the door was ajar, and the light from the kitchen could be seen flickering from the exterior. I'll check the perimeter. You head inside, Detective Esposito said. Detective Ryan entered the home at 12.14 a.m. while Esposito began inspecting the exterior of the property. The TV was still on in the living room, casting dancing lights across the dark blue walls of the home. This is the Gotham City Police Force. We got a call about a disturbance at this address. Is anybody home right now? Detective Ryan called out into the home as he cleared the first floor with caution. Looking at the mail on the countertop, he summarized that the occupants were Mark and Janice Hamilton, and judging by the hallway photo decor, they had two children, a boy and a girl. So far, none were home. Detective Ryan prayed that would remain the case as his search continued. As he made his way to the staircase, he noticed something out of place. A small hideaway door, part of a hidden basement, a panic room, an addition that many migrating Gothamites had added to their homes for safety. Ryan called his partner into the house. Esposito, get in here. What is it? Watch this entrance for me. Make sure I don't end up trapped inside some high society panic room. The stairs creaked, leading down into the hidden bunker, as Detective Ryan pulled a string hanging from the ceiling and found the bulb was burnt out. Typical. Just another night in Gotham. You all right down there? I'm in a creepy-ass basement looking for the Joker. What do you think? Detective Ryan turned on his flashlight and continued down the musty staircase. The smell of cement and water filled the air, and the light taste of metal clung to his tongue. Mr. and Mrs. Hamilton, are you in here? Ryan said into the endless darkness. 
As he made his way to the bottom of the staircase, Detective Ryan could just make out a tall figure in the dark. Got the police! I'm going to need you to raise your hands where I can see them. Turn around very slowly. Detective Ryan stated in a slightly shaken voice, ever mindful that one wrong move could be his last. Everything okay down there, buddy? It looks like I found someone down here. Detective Ryan took a step forward and felt his left shoulder brush a light switch. He turned the switch on with his weapon still trained on the silhouette in the dark. The room lit up, displaying a scene the detective would remember for years to come. Four bloodied bodies lay across the panic room. Two adults, one teen, and one child. Carved across each of their pale, blood-drained faces was a smile, all posed as though a happy family playing a friendly game of poker. Each card a joker, of course. The figure the detective had seen was none other than the demented clown prince of carnage himself, the Joker. Oh my god. Esposito, get down here right now! Ryan said, with fear gripping his throat. The Joker was bound in military-grade fiber wire, with the unmistakable bat-shaped anchor at the wire's end. The Joker stood in the center of the room, hanging from the metal pipes that crossed the ceiling like a copper spiderweb. Bruised and beaten, the Joker hung there, spinning slowly clockwise, the tips of his shoes barely brushing the ground. The concrete walls had cracks in them, damn near craters. Points of impact, where Batman had either punched the walls or thrown the clown against them. The television on the far wall was shattered, blood in the broken edges of the screen. The Joker's, no doubt. Batman didn't kill, but on this night, he'd come close. The doctors at Arkham would have an easier job counting the bones he didn't break, and finding every fracture in that monster's pale figure. Detective Esposito came down the stairs in a flash, his weapon scanning the room as he did, his back to the wall, and his eyes searching for danger. Oh my god, it's really him. It's the Joker. Detective Esposito said in a defeated tone. Wow, Batman almost killed him tonight. It looks like the Joker tried to fight a frigging gorilla in here. And those are... They're the Hamilton family. Call it in and help me cut this thing down. Tell them to get more uniforms down here before there's a fifth body for the coroner tonight. Detective Ryan ordered. I knew it was too good to be true. Joker being dead. Huh. Gotham luck strikes again. The Joker had returned, and Gotham was once again paying the price for Batman's code of conduct. As the coroner, CSI, and more police backup arrived at the scene, a dark figure watched from the distance, the weight of his guilt heavy upon his shoulders and the rage that had followed him since the death of his parents threatening to consume his very being. The night had taken a heavy toll, but his watch was far from over. So he left, without being seen, without being heard, gone into the night like a bad dream or a myth, off to stop the next Hamilton family from dying tonight. Arkham Asylum was swamped. Harvey Dent had led an escape. Half of his crew headed towards the city limits, while the other half followed him, in an extended chase with the authorities across Gotham City. Chaos soon followed. The Joker wouldn't be riding in his usual Arkham facility transport. Instead, a Gotham tactical response van would see him delivered to his destination, and two officers would be posted as his guards. The Joker sat in the armored transport unconscious, a threaded bag over his face to keep the prisoner disoriented if he regained consciousness. The Joker's wrists were bound in hard metal cuffs, the reflective steel a jarring oddity among the Joker's purple and green attire. 
His ankles wore a mirror image of the cuffs secured around his wrists, with a long metal chain connecting the two, running the length of the Joker's body, before meeting the ankles and continuing into a secure bolt into the floor, anchoring him to the transport. Even if the criminal woke up, he would be bound to the frame of the prisoner transport. The Joker was out cold, but the GCPD weren't taking any chances. The passenger was locked up tight. Two benches ran down either side of the van's metal interior, with double doors locked at the back. The Joker's unconscious body faced the two officers guarding him, with his back to a plate metal divider. A small, triple-pane glass window showed a glimpse of the driver's front seat. Officer Kevin Richardson was behind the wheel, and officers Price and Graves sat in the containment area, watching. With a final word of caution from the detectives first on the scene, the vehicle departed into the night. The rain had begun to fall, filling the ride with quiet sounds of impact upon the roof. So, does this happen very often? Officer Price asked. Um, I'm, I'm sorry, what? Officer Graves mumbled as he snapped back to reality. His focus had been so intensely centered on their third occupant, he'd lost track of himself. I'm sorry, what was that? Does this happen very often? Transporting an Arkham inmate, that is, I... I guess I just kind of assumed that was someone else's department. Uh... Uh, no. No, not really. Sometimes. I guess. I mean, to be honest, most of the time, the boys over at Arkham Asylum are the ones handling this work, but... I mean, Dent managed to sabotage most of their motor pool, and the few left are taking his men back to confinement, so... That just leaves you and me, kiddo. Officer Graves responded, still coming out of his haze. Dent? As in Two-Face Harvey Dent? The former district attorney? Yes. That Harvey Dent. Good God. You must be new. Yeah. I just transferred to the apartment, actually. Before this, I was working in Keystone City. This is my first time seeing a, a real supervillain in the flesh. Keystone City? Why the hell would you leave a cushy job like that for a place like this? Well... When you work in the same city as someone with super speed, there isn't much police work to actually do. Most of my job just ended up being busy work. Like helping CSIs tag evidence and keeping pedestrians away or filing paperwork, which is fine. I'm, I'm fine with doing that. It's just I signed up to make the world a better place and I don't think paperwork really does that. Here, I have a chance to actually do that to, to make a difference. Oh my god, you're one of those. All bright-eyed and idealistic. Look, kid, this place is going to take some things from you. Maybe not all at once, but little by little, every night you put on that badge, you're going to leave a little piece of yourself behind. You'll just wake up one day with nothing left but the job. A job, by the way, that guarantees you an early funeral. Do yourself a favor, kid. Keep a transfer form filled out and ready to go. Kids like you don't last very long around here. Graves said, shifting back in his seat. A look of loss and remorse clung to his eyes. Years of working in Gotham had etched their marks upon his face. Then, why are you still here? I mean, why aren't you enjoying the light over at Coast City or watching Superman save the day in Metropolis if this place is really so bad? Because. Because this is where I'm from. You don't let the freaks move in and force you out. You stand your ground and you fight until there's no more ground left to fight for. You make them scared of you instead of you scared of them. It's a Gotham thing, kid. I don't think you'd get it. 
As the two officers exchanged words, the armored van continued down the old road to Arkham Asylum. As the armored vehicle turned a corner, one of the back wheels hit a pothole. The mobile confinement vehicle rocked violently as the immense weight of the thick metal exterior threw the truck back and forth. Both police officers bounced up and down in their metal seats. Sorry about that, fellas. The roads to Akamont maintained too well. Officer Richardson bellowed back from the driver's seat. Hey, try not to get us killed, okay? I still plan on drinking myself to nearly death, and I'm pretty sure our golden boy here wants to get home to his wife again. I'd hate for her to find out that your bad driving killed us all. Um, if you don't mind me asking... Actually, I do. Go ahead anyway, kid. I was, I was just gonna say, if you don't mind me asking, how is this guy still alive? Officer Price asked. The question had been eating at him ever since he arrived at the crime scene. Graves himself seemed surprised by the question. What? The Joker? Batman doesn't kill. No matter how bad a shape we find him in, the freak is always breathing. No. I mean, shouldn't he have the death penalty by now? I mean, he's killed a lot of people. Graves' face showed a reaction of agreement and thoughtfulness as he leaned back in his seat and shifted his weight while fiddling with his police cap. You know, despite the reputation this fair city may have, the higher-ups aren't too keen on putting a mentally disturbed man in the electric chair. Gotham doesn't allow the death penalty. Period. It's not good optics for the city or whatever. It makes it look like we can't handle things if we just start frying freaks like a Sunday afternoon barbecue. We've tried, by the way, several times. Those of us that, you know, actually live in the city, we've lobbied for an exception to be made, but it never goes through. So, no matter what he does, he just goes back to Arkham and breaks out again, right? I, I mean, is he getting better at all? Uh, no, he is not getting any better. But that's just the way the world spins. No matter how deranged he is, no matter how sick the crime he gets away with, we drop him off at the loony bin and then we wait. We wait for his next big plan. These doctors, they can't fix his kind of crazy. He's a sick, twisted clown. To tell you the truth, I won't be too broken up when his day finally comes. Officer Graves said coldly. It wasn't the answer the young police rookie was expecting. He figured when he arrived at Gotham City, he'd find some method to the seeming madness. But there was a plan to fix things. The city was seeming darker by the minute, and the night was far from over. The young cop had just started to think of his next question when another voice cut him off. You know, flattery will get you nowhere. A cackling voice called out. Both men stopped and looked at their prisoner. The bag over his head and cuffs still intact. The Joker was undoubtedly awake. The battered and bruised clown took in his surroundings with an audible sigh. Three policemen, an armored truck, and me in chains. How's a guy supposed to break out of here? The two officers continued staring at their prisoner. Both men sat there with tense caution, gauging the situation, a nearly impossible task with someone like the Joker. Sorry to interrupt, but it's not very often I get to meet a brand new fan. First impressions can be so tricky. I've had plenty of names in the past, but you can call me Joker. Now tell me, Officer Price, 
Why did you think of my work? Price shot a look of confusion towards Graves. Am I supposed to talk to the prisoner? Uh-oh. It looks like you just did. Now, tell me, Officer Price. How does my work hold up to what you get in your neck of the woods? Surely that talking gorilla doesn't have the same finesse as moi. With those meaty clubs for fingers and all. Sure, people remember me for filling a preschool with joker gas and killing one of the robins. But it's the little crimes that mean the most. Making an impact on the regular folks of Gotham. Like you. The joker said with a chuckle. Despite his countless injuries, the murders he'd committed, and the fact he was in a secure police vehicle heading towards Arkham Asylum, the Joker was treating his transport as some form of twisted late-night interview. You killed innocent people. There's nothing impressive about that. You need help. You're sick. Oh, please. Fish gotta swim, birds gotta fly, and I've gotta help put a smile on the world. It was all worth it to see the look on their faces tonight. Actually, I think I've got a piece of one of their faces right here in my pocket. Don't talk to him. He's just going to get under your skin. How dare you imply anything of the sort? An artist of my caliber simply needs to compare his notes against his peers every once in a while. Not that I have any, but I make do with what I have. The Joker quipped as he rocked his head towards Officer Graves. Despite the chain-link divider, the cuffs on his hands and feet, and the chain grounding him to the floor, neither officer could help but feel like neither of them was in charge of what was happening in that van. Both men sat in silence, exchanging glances, trying to figure out their next move, and how to best keep their restrained occupant quiet for the remainder of the drive. Oh, I see. The strong, silent type. You give me 20 minutes in a can opener, I'll have you whimpering like a schoolgirl. You might even like it. The Joker replied. Is everything alright back there? It's mighty chatty from the sound of things. Richardson inquired from the front seat. The clown woke up. Ah, hell. Say no more. That pasty freak and his girlfriend, they beat my last partner within an inch of her life. She still can't walk without crutches. They're psychotic. Oh now, officer. That doesn't ring any bells. Are you sure it was me? Could it have been the Riddler? Scarecrow? Clayface? Well, probably not Clayface. Maybe it was me. You boys and girls in blue all start to blur together after a few mass murderings. You know how it is. I'm closing the divider, guys. I can't deal with this and drive at the same time. I'm sorry, you're on your own. Richardson said in a defeated tone as the metal plate slid over the small glass window. The low light of the cabin illuminated the three men in the back. Small, reinforced window slits along the upper walls let moonlight and the occasional warm glow of a street lamp in as they drove by. You know, it could have been Bane. He's big on paralysis these days. A bit of a one-trick pony, if you ask me. Always blowing something up or breaking someone's bones. And his voice, as if the mask wasn't silly enough. Ooh. Look at me. I'm big. I will destroy the Batman. I will hold Gotham hostage. Did you know that I broke the bat? Blah, 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 blah. Oh, get over yourself. His only superpower is steroids. I have no idea how he made it into the Legion of Doom. 
The Joker grumbled to his makeshift peanut gallery. Shut the hell up, Joker. Or I'll go over there and I'll strangle you myself. Graves growled. The Joker's words were eroding his patience. Oh, don't make me a promise you can't keep, officer. I'm tingling with anticipation. The Joker purred back, and with that, Officer Graves took out his stun baton and gave the Joker the shock of a lifetime. The enraged police officer spun his baton in hand and jabbed it against the Joker's green shirt, sending arcs of light into the clown's pale chest. Whoa, you can't do that, man! Officer Price pleaded. Graves paused, but only for a moment, visibly frustrated with his rookie partner, clearly unaware of how things worked in Gotham. Graves slapped the end of his weapon against the Joker's bag-covered head, sending a burst of warm red blood across the threads interwoven over the criminal's face. A crimson stain now marked where the Joker's smile would have been, emulating his signature grin. Graves settled back down into his seat, glaring in equal parts at the rookie across from him and the criminal beside him. What was that about? Price pleaded. Graves chewed on something non-existent in his mouth as he chose his next words carefully. His arms were crossed, and his right foot began tapping uncontrollably against the floor, unable to contain his growing frustration. Look, I don't transport freaks like this, alright? I handle regular criminals. I see a criminal, I stop them. When I see a freak like this guy, I bust them up, I cuff them, and I leave them for the Arkham people, alright? I mean, Batman... Nightwing, hell, even Batgirl gets to break bones and rough these freaks up every single night. I don't have to sit here and play nice with the worst of the whole lot of them. Just, just keep your cool, okay, man? You're not Batman. You don't get to just hurt whoever you want, okay? We're not running across rooftops in the middle of the night. You're not wearing a black bodysuit, alright? We're, we're police officers. We have rules and we, we have to follow them, okay? I can't have you killing a prisoner in our care. Oh, please. Kite Man punches harder than that. Is that really all you chuckle-headed buffoons have got in you? No wonder I'm always breaking free. The Joker said, in a moment of cosmically bad timing. The two officers exchanged a brief stare before Officer Graves once again jabbed his baton's electrified end against the Joker's chest. Seriously, stop! Price commanded. Graves shot a look in his direction and then continued his galvanic assault upon the clown. Jab after jab under the clown's purple suit. Price watched on, horrified at what was happening. Racking his brain, trying to find a solution to the problem, or a way to stop things before there was no return, the speeding truck began to feel as though it were spinning fear and terror pulling at the young officer's mind like a pack of ravenous wolves. Graves had a stun weapon, but Price had yet to be issued one. Could he even fight Graves? He had more time in the force, and he was a fellow police officer. Maybe he should just stay there and not do anything. No, he had to do something. He had to stop it. Even someone as broken as the Joker wasn't going to die on his watch. And as Officer Price looked around for something to fix the situation, he felt the solution on his hip. He'd forgotten to turn in his sidearm. When transporting someone like the Joker, 
all GCPD personnel were allowed only to carry stun and tranquilizing weapons in case of an escape, an occurrence frequent enough to warrant such a rule. Officer Price drew his firearm and pointed it at his fellow officer. This is your last warning, Graves, Price warned. Officer Graves pulled his attack back with a look of surprise as the younger officer pointed his service weapon at him. A tense moment of silence played out between the two policemen, neither sure of their next move. You know, <laughs> I enjoy a joy buzzer as much as the next criminal, but your delivery could use some work, the clown said through wheezing breaths and coughs. What the hell are you doing, Price? Graves said in a lowered tone. I'm stopping you from going too far. <laughs> going too far? Are you joking? This sick, twisted clown just killed a family. He maims cops and vigilantes all the time. You know what? Let me tell you how things work here in Gotham. Every other month, me and the rest of the department, we put on our dress blues and we march down to the Gotham Cemetery. We give our dead friends a hero send-off. We tell their family, their friends, their loved ones, their kids, that they died peacefully. That it was quick. That they gave their lives to make the city safer. But look around, kid. Do you feel safer? Do you know what it's like to have to listen as an entire unit gets gassed? And they start choking to death. Laughing until their lungs are filled with their own blood? Or to find corpses frozen with their little limbs snapping off like glass figurines. Or to gun down your own brothers and sisters in the force just because they're high off whatever the hell Ivy laced them with. No. No, you don't know what that's like, do you? Because you don't have freaks like that in Midway City. Well, we do. This is Gotham. And if Batman and his little friends get to run around on the rooftops and break bones and bend the rules when they beat up these psychopaths, then why the hell shouldn't we? Graves said, his chest heaving with hatred. The officer had stood up while delivering his opinions. As the rage began to subside, Officer Graves lowered himself back into this seat. Price sat there stunned, unable to speak or move, his weapon lowering with the gravity of what Graves had just said, unable to comprehend what another member of the police force had just said to him how far his peers' moral compass had been thrown off course. The weight of what Gotham can do to the best of mankind had finally begun to sink in. The prisoner felt less like a broken man in need of mental help, and more like a virus stealing the good and the hope from the city. Despite being on the outskirts of Gotham City, they might as well have been on the moon. Their armored transport was a steel island trapping them, cutting them off from the outside world. The madness of their captives seemed to be leeching itself into them, their morals and sanity eroding by the minute, and their journey was far from finished. Countless miles separated them from Arkham's drop-off entrance, and the much-needed freedom and reprieve both officers so desperately desired. You can't do that, Graves. If we start acting like that, then he wins. If he can convince us to be like him, then what's it all for? If we lose our code, he wins. Price said. Both officers sat there, letting sanity anchor itself once more, the blinding anger and fear dissipating ever so slowly, guilt taking its place. The rookie shone like a fresh light 
shining on the dirt that the city had heaped upon its most loyal protectors. You know what, Boy Scout? You suck. You're green, you're new to all of this, and your sunshiny attitude is annoying as hell. But you're not wrong, I guess. It's just, you spend enough time around freaks like this and start rubbing off on you. Start running out of ways to, to make them stop, to make things make sense again. Start acting like one of them. I, I really think that eventually you'll understand. But for now, I promise to play nice. Okay? I just, I hope Richardson can learn how to stop driving like a grandma and get us to Ockham before your optimistic charm wears off on me. Alright, kid? Officer Price nodded, acknowledging the remnants of a good man still buried inside of Officer Graves. The rookie officer let his shoulders finally loosen, the knot of fear leaving his chest in the form of a long breath. You know, that's the kind of reaction that makes a clown really feel appreciated. I mean, half of the time, Betsy Boy sends one of his teenaged backup dancers to try and ruin my fun. But here you are, pointing a gun at your own colleague to save my life. It warms my twisted heart. It makes me feel special. I guess you could say, it just feels good to be noticed again. <sighs> and to have someone defend me, to have an officer of the law save little old me, instead of kicking my teeth in. It's so out of character, so rare. Well, it's enough to make a grown clown cry. Although, it does make that business with Rosie a bit awkward, I suppose. But no take-backs, you like me. What did you say? Price asked, a storm of fear and anger building in his stomach and chest. Hey, kid, you're right, okay? It is not worth throwing away our careers over the psycho. Just ignore him. Shut up, Graves. What did you just say, Joker? The part where you like me, or... Officer Price pointed his gun at the Joker's face. Oh, the rosy bit. Yes, well, you didn't really think I came back into town for my coup de gras and made only one stop. Now, did you? No, Betsy didn't find me until house number 12. He's so difficult to get attention from these days. I really do think we need couples counseling. It worked for Catwoman. Don't ask me how I know. Shut up, clown. Look, kid, we need to call this in, alright? We might have other victims out there. What about Rosie? Price demanded, his weapon shaking ever so slightly. Oh, sweet, innocent Rosie. I spotted her carrying in her groceries earlier today. You must have already left for your shift. I decided, well, why not introduce myself? After all, how often do you get to meet a local celebrity like myself? Now, when she first saw this handsome young maniac approaching her, she was starstruck, frozen stiff like one of Freeze's experiments. Now... I decided I'm going to give her a real tour of Gotham City. She put up a bit of a fight, but that's why I travel with a full deck. Once my boys had her gagged and thrown in the back of the car, she was much easier to talk to. 
She's got a lot of fight in her. I see why you like her. What did you do to her? Oh, nothing yet, Pricey. And she'll be right as rain, as long as I never step foot in Arkham. You see, as cozy as my little slice of padded heaven has been, I need to spread my wings and take in the sights. You can't lock up a charmer like me. You're practically robbing Gotham. And then someone would have to arrest you. But not to worry. All you have to do is let little old me go. Surely Batman will catch me in a couple of days anyway. The same old song and dance. And you'll get to see your sweet wife before the sun rises. Oh my god. Kid, look. I'm really sorry. But we cannot let him go. He just admitted to attacking even more people than we thought tonight. Okay, we, we cannot do this. We can't just let him go free, man. Just let me go. I'll be back in shackles in no time, and your lovely Rosie will be ever so alive because of it. All of this will have felt like a bad dream. Break your code. Go ahead. And the girl gets to live happily ever after. The Joker chided. The clown stretched his hands forward, as if to better help the officers uncuff his wrists. The long chain running from his handcuffs down to his ankles jingled against the metal bolt, anchoring them in the floor. Even through the bag on his head, you could feel a smile shining from under the dark threads. The Joker was completely at home in his shackles. It was his territory, and he was on the hunt for chaos and fresh blood, like a shark swimming in black waters. Look, we don't even know if he's really got her, alright? He does this. He lies. He's probably bluffing right now. It's just, just relax, kid. It's gonna be fine. Officer Graves said, trying to calm the situation. Her hair. Auburn, was it? It smelled like lavender. She has such a sweet little bird tattooed on her left wrist, and she packs a nasty right hook. Ringing any bells yet? The Joker taunted. Price's heart sank as the world felt as though it were closing in around him, with the realization that the Joker was telling the truth. Officer Graves could see it all on his partner's face. Oh, shit. Graves said, watching the rookie cop across from him trying to come to terms with his reality. The truth that the Joker, one of the most unhinged maniacs in all of Gotham, had taken his wife, and that the only chance he had of seeing her alive was to go against his personal code, and the law itself. <sighs> How did you even know that I would be the one to take you back to Arkham tonight? Officer Price asked trying to rationalize what was happening, half hoping to catch the Joker in a lie and prove this was all a twisted joke on the new guy. Oh, I didn't. In fact, I kidnapped five spouses, three ankle-biting children, and a fluffy little dog belonging to one officer, Esposito. I knew with Harvey having it up like a diva all across Gotham, they could be stretched thin and the more seasoned Poison Blue would do anything for one more night free from me. After that, it was all a numbers game, and I hit the jackpot. Not only do I get to walk free, but I get to watch a sweet, innocent boy like you throw away your morals for me. It's like Christmas came early, the Joker said, grinning through the bag over his head. 
Each word out of his mouth hit the two officers like waves crashing against the shore, threatening to drown them both in madness. I'm sorry, but you cannot let him go free. That's not how this works. Officer Graves said sympathetically. Shut up, Graves. You, you nearly stopped his heart a few minutes ago just because he got on your nerves. What gives you the right to tell me what to do when he has my wife? It's getting a little tense in here. Maybe we should pull over and sort this whole thing out. Get some fresh air. What do you say, fellas? Hell no. Do not play into his hand like this, Price. You're better than this. <sighs> just... Just, just shut up and let me think, okay? Officer Price demanded. The cold, wet sound of rain rattled across the hollow-armored vehicle. The sloshing of the wide-tread tires through puddles echoed through the floor of the van. Seconds began stretching into hours. Three men, locked in a moving cage, all ready to fight the other two. Richardson? Richardson, stop the truck! No! No, do not stop the truck, Kevin, Graves ordered, desperately trying to salvage the dissolving situation. What the hell is going on back there? Is everything all right? Officer Richardson called back into the holding compartment. W will you just, will you stop the truck? Okay, Richardson? No, 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 do not stop this truck, Kevin. Not until we are at Arkham Asylum. That is a direct order. Graves demanded his orders sounding less concrete with each heated exchange. What in the hell is going on back there? Oh, it's just a little fight between mommy and daddy. I'm sure it'll be over very soon. The Joker quipped. The situation was messy at best. A good cop being pushed too far too soon on the job. A cop too scared to go back out in the streets, hiding behind the safety of an armored car. The most dangerous man in Gotham doing his damnedest to stay out of his cell, and a cop some would have written off as a lost cause, struggling to remember what it's like to be hopeful and good in order to save a kid from becoming the very thing they had sworn to fight. Okay, look, we're just a few minutes from Arkham, so uh, so keep it together back there, okay? It's, it's gonna be fine, Richardson said through the metal divider. The fear in his voice had gone from slight discomfort to complete panic. The armored car was supposed to be a safe position after all, contrary to how the night was playing out. <laughs> we have to stop the truck, Graves. My wife is gonna die. You don't understand. Uh, bullshit, I don't understand. I've watched plenty of my brothers and sisters lose their loved ones, okay? Some of them have family members that were taken too. Husbands and wives. Kids, for Christ's sake. So don't you tell me I don't understand. You're forgetting about the dog. In here I thought they were man's best friend. So much for loyalty. You think the Joker's really gonna let them all walk free after this? Graves inquired, trying to poke holes in the Joker's deal. That's true. Your wife will walk free, of course. But at the very least... That puppy's going to be a new pair of fabulous mittens for me. These Gotham winters can be so cold, and I do look wonderful in white. The Joker remarked dryly. We can say he broke free, okay? Uh, that he overpowered us. He's the Joker! He breaks out of jails all the time. Why is it such a big deal? Price reasoned. His grip on the situation was tenuous at best, 
and his weapon was beginning to shake with the same uncertainty. Listen to yourself. This isn't you, kid. You're letting him win. If he gets out, he'll just do this again. He'll kidnap more people over and over again. It's like you said, we can't let him do this to us. We can't, we can't lose our code. Price stopped. Graves was right. Even if the Joker let his wife go and never came after them again, there was still a chance that another one of his twisted pranks would take her life. Or the life of someone else's loved one. But one thing was certain. The Joker couldn't make it to Arkham. Because while the chances of his wife surviving, if the Joker was released, were slim, her chances of living to see the morning if he made it to Arkham were none at all. So, as long as you don't get to Arkham, she goes free? How will your men even know? Price asked, with a change in his tone that made Graves uncomfortable. Oh, I don't have to tell them anything. As soon as your oh-so-easily-traceable dispatch gets a call saying that I'm free, and the sun rises without my handsome mug in Arkham, your wife will be free as a bird. The Joker said with a Cheshire smile that could be felt through the cover on his face. He's not going to Arkham, but I don't have to let him go either, Price said, staring a thousand yards through the Joker. What are you saying, Price? Oh, I like where this is going. Who knew you had it in you, rookie? We call it in. The Joker got away. Nothing out of the ordinary, just another night in Gotham. So what? We just wait until morning to turn the freak in? I'm not spending all night with this clown. No. No, no, he obviously has men in Arkham, and they'd know. They'd come for my wife again, and I can't take that risk. Then what, Price? What are you suggesting? The Joker isn't going to Arkham, and he's not going free. Not the way that he wants to, that is, Price said, pointing his gun at the Joker's chest. A cold chill shot through Graves' spine as he realized what the rookie cop was suggesting. No. No, you cannot do that, kid. That is way over the line. Look, I know I said it wasn't fair that all these freaks get to punch each other up and down our city and we have to play by the rules, but this isn't just breaking a rule, it's breaking the rule, kid, alright? You you were right earlier, okay? We, we can't kill him, alright? He's defenseless. Finally! I've been trying to get my pointy-eared playmate to do this for years. But can you really do it? Have you got what it takes? After all, I'm just a man in need of help. I'm sick. I need a doctor. It's not even my fault that I do these things. I'm practically innocent. I'm not right in the head. Look at what he's doing to you, kid. You can't do this. Oh, I don't know about that. The look he's got in his eyes. I think our little boy in blue is ready to take a walk on the dark side. So go ahead, kiddo. Take the emergency exit into madness. Listen, kid. This is wrong. And we're cops. We have some lines we don't cross. Just stop and breathe. Think about what matters. Tonight, the only thing that matters to me is my wife. Price said as he pulled the trigger. Officer Graves leapt, tackling Price and pinning him to the wall. Oh my god, is there a gun back there? Officer Richardson screamed back into the holding cell. 
more shots ring out. Okay, look, uh, I'm, I'm pulling over, okay? Just, I'm pulling over. Richardson yelled as the armored truck rolled to a stop on the side of an empty road. The large metal transport vehicle stuck out against the trees and nightlife along the old cracked road leading to Arkham Asylum. The red and blue lights still flashing on top of the truck, sending dancing beams of crimson and cobalt against the pitch-black forest. Graves sat slumped against one of the bench seats, bleeding out, struggling for consciousness. A gaping hole through his stomach where the bullet had torn through his flesh, letting his warm blood pour out into his hands. He looked up at the crazed officer, standing in the center of the transport, still pointing his weapon at the prisoner. The Joker, the jester of genocide, chained in the back of a Gotham City police transport, with two holes in his chest. What? What have you done? Officer Graves struggled to say. The adrenaline and shock had begun to fade from Price's body and mind, the fear that had gripped him replaced by shock. He'd killed the Joker, he'd broken the law, and he'd shot another police officer. How could he have done that? Surely, it was an accident. He didn't really mean to do it. The feelings of guilt and shame crashed down on him with so much force he began to faint, and just as the cold began to tug at the back of his mind, a sound ripped Officer Price back to reality. A hissing sound. A sound coming from the body of the Joker. A green fog began to spew from the holes in the Joker's chest, and from the mouth that only moments ago had been taunting the two officers. The jade-colored cloud filled the threaded cover, resting on the once kingpin of crime's face, as it slowly drifted through seams and found its way out through the base of the hood, spreading along the floor and walls of the vehicle. As the gas left the bleeding body of the Joker, a barely audible final laugh left his lips as death overcame him. Price began to panic yet again. Oh my god, what's happening? He yelled in terror. His heart was racing and his mind aching for an answer, for a way out of this nightmare. His panicked breathing turned into coughing, and slowly the coughing turned again into laughter. Cold, casual, familiar laughter. Guys, we gotta hurry up, okay? Occam is just around the corner, and I think there's another car coming up on the road. We gotta get moving now. Richardson said as he opened the back doors to the armored transport. The flickering broken lights from inside blinded the officer as a flowing mass of green fog rolled out from the floor of the carrier, dissipating into the cold night air and rain. Oh my god, what happened back here? Richardson begged for a logical answer. His response was shorter than expected, but unmistakably telling. A final shot rang out as a bullet entered Officer Richardson's skull. The loved and respected member of the Gotham City Police Force fell to the ground unceremoniously and as a lump of inactive muscle tissue, devoid of soul or purpose. A barely functioning graves watched on in horror, the cold crawl of death making its way from his limbs coming for his heart. The injured police officer tried to form words, but none came. Only a quiet groan managed to escape his lips. 
the man that had once been Officer Price jumped down from the armored truck, looked around, and found his reflection and the pooling blood beside Richardson's body. The warm, viscous fluid formed a cherry red mirror for the man to soak in his visage. His skin was noticeably more pale than before, and his right eye had changed from brown to emerald. Taking in the grandeur of his own shifting facade, a light began shining on the scene that had played itself out. Another car had indeed been on the road tonight. The man that had once been Officer James Anderson Price stood up straight to greet the arriving audience, the first to truly witness his splendor. There he is! A woman's voice cheered from the approaching vehicle. The car pulled to a stop in the middle of the road, and a small bouncing figure emerged from beyond the glow of the headlights. I found Mr. J! She called out to unseen figures still cloaked in darkness. You were right. All we had to do was follow the thing on the blinky box. We knew you'd show up eventually, the woman said as she approached the man that had once been Officer Price. I'm sorry. Do you know me? Oh, Puddin', of course I know you. You're the Joker and I'm your Harley Quinn. We're Gotham's ride-or-die power couple, although you've been doing the dying recently. She said as she looked at the bloodied bodies in the armored truck the once joker among them, still chained and seated. Looks like you got the last laugh, Harley said as her eyes started up and down her new man's figure, drinking in the changes already present. Oh, Puddin', I love this one on you. He looks so young and handsome. We're gonna have loads of fun breaking in this one, Harley said, bursting with glee. The newly crowned joker stood there as Harley wrapped her arms around him, and pressed her face into his chest, as though he were some extravagant stuffed teddy bear. He wasn't sure what had happened, who this woman was, or how he'd found himself on the side of the road with corpses and a gathering gaggle of circus-themed thugs. Memories tried desperately to claw their way back into his mind. A camping trip. A first date. A wedding day. The name of his first dog. The color of a childhood bike. And his own name but as quickly as each memory breached the surface of sanity, the bubbling poison of madness swept over them, erasing them entirely and dissolving them into nothingness. This new pale-skinned man was unsure of so much about his past, present, and future, but one thing was crystal clear. He was the king, and the king was ready to carve up the city until it was screaming his name, until it was screaming, Joker, as it collapsed into chaos. The more he chewed the name over in his head, the more certain he was that the name had belonged to him. True, it had belonged to the captured criminal he'd shot only moments ago, once upon a time. But that Joker was dead. Long live the Joker. This Joker wouldn't be caught so easily. It was his sole purpose to steal away the unearned optimism of Gotham City, to inspire madness in the hearts of young and old and to deliver life's cruelest punchline, Gotham's resident trickster had been reborn. The Joker smiled his first true smile. Well then, we'd better get out of this rain, and get me into a proper suit. The city's not going to burn itself. That's my Joker! Harley squealed. But how can he be the Joker? His body's right here in the truck. A man in clown's makeup asked, stepping out of the darkness. So wait, are we just accepting every sad white boy with a bad makeup job as the Joker now? 
What? Are we gonna go to Hot Topic for the next one? I mean, come on. Is this some kind of joke? Another thug chimed in. Joke? You want a joke, funny guy? Well, here's your punchline. The Joker said as he shot both men dead. Bunch of chuckle-headed buffoons. Who's a crowd anyway? Harley watched her former bodyguards fall to the ground without fanfare or respect. Well, so much for Harry and Lou. Just one more thing before we get going, okay, Puddin? The Queen of Gotham's greatest criminal menace kissed her king on the lips. The chaos, the menace, the danger, and the all-so-powerful touch of love she'd felt the first time she kissed the Joker was all there. And tongue, that was new. Her crimson lipstick left a perfect mirror on her new jester's lips. Harley stepped back and smeared the edges outward across her man's pale new face, the red of his lips forming the telltale grin, framing his dastardly smirk with a ruby curve. Mwah! There, now that's how the Joker looks, and the kiss is an improvement too. Just wait until you see what else I can do, Harley, my dear. The Joker cackled as the criminal duo hopped into their car together. Oh, I almost forgot. Your new fluffy gloves are in the glove compartment, Puddin. Harley said as the Joker accelerated the car and the criminal duo took off like a bat out of hell, the car disappearing into the night, laughter echoing against the rain-soaked landscape of Gotham City. The criminal couple were off to find another secret hideout to begin the reign of a new Joker. Fifteen minutes later, the lights of a very different car shone a spotlight on the grim scene. Two clowns, both dead. Two officers, one dead, one in critical condition, and the once body of the Joker chained in the back of a vehicle. Two heavy black boots stepped out onto the ground, the chirp of his compiece cutting into the silence before him. Jim, we have a problem. What is it? Is it Dent? Did he get away? No, Jim. It's something worse. The Joker. It happened again. The end. Well, we hope you enjoyed this little adventure into an audio drama. Stay in touch with the latest Poppycock podcast episodes. Or else, I'll f- kill you. Uh, all joking aside, we really are appreciative of everyone who went on this journey and listened to it. This is something brand new for me and all of my friends who were involved in this. Um, I'd never written a short story. I'd never voice acted. I'd never cast roles in a voice acting thing. I'd never recorded my own sound effects. I'd never sound designed. All of it's very, very new for me and for my buddies as well. Um, if you want more of stuff that like the two initial cops, Ryan and Esposito, in real life, they're Alejandro and PJ. Uh, you can check out the X Button podcast or Stat X. That's where they're at. Super cool guys, and they're the ones that got me into all this stuff in the first place. So definitely worth checking out. And one very special shout out to my real life Harley Quinn and the voice of Harley in this special, my wife. She's incredible, and she's already taken, so hands off. We really appreciate everyone who's been part of the Poppycock podcast, whether it's has the actual podcast, the YouTube channel, or the website. We really appreciate you guys helping our numbers grow and just looking at the stuff that we do and enjoying it and 
having conversations together because we're talking about topics that are subjective. So unlike politics and science where people get really mean towards each other, we can disagree about something and still be nice to each other. And honestly, it's just kind of a nice change of pace to be able to disagree and still be nice to each other because it seems like a lot of people have forgotten how to do that. Now, this whole thing started off because two fans of DC Comics were talking to each other about how the Joker isn't dead yet, and that's weird. But given the time that this released, I feel like it's only appropriate to dedicate this in honor of the other Joel, who has touched Batman's life as well. And that's Joel Schumacher, who recently passed. His movies may not be your favorite, but when we were kids, they sure were fun to watch. And I'm going to go ahead and say it, Robin's costume was pretty rad in all, both of those movies. That's some nice Nightwing nods to it, and that's pretty cool. And when you're a kid, it's just fun to watch. As adults, we can be cynical about it, but we enjoyed it as kids, so don't act like you didn't. And uh, when you think about it, a guy who dresses up in a big rubber bat suit every night, putting nipples on the costume is far from the weirdest part of that equation. So maybe cut the guy a break. And a uh, controversial opinion here, but Val Kimmer is a very underrated Batman. So, Joel... Your movies were strange, but we appreciate what you did anyway. Rest in peace, my man. And, uh, of course, just as a friendly reminder, we have one more episode of the Poppycock Podcast. We're going back to normal podcasting for the foreseeable future, but our final episode is going to have some interview action with Kevin Conroy himself, the man behind the mask, or behind the voice that's behind the microphone, behind the mask. You know what I mean. He's Batman, and he has been forever, and he is for a lot of people. And uh, he has some really beautiful insights into why the character of Batman resonates with people and why he's become such a facet and how he's blown away by fans and their love for him. And let me just say that after seeing him talk about Batman, I loved him even more. They say never meet your heroes, and uh, he's definitely one worth, worth meeting, 100%. So that's definitely something to keep a lookout for. There's a million Easter eggs inside this whole experience and we're gonna go over all of them in the final episode of the season but you know it's just a way to sweeten the pot a little kevin conroy action goes a long way that guy is super cool and uh another shout out as this all closes out that goes to richard epcar who you may know as a voice actor he's raiden in the mortal kombat series but he's also been the joker since at least as far back as mortal kombat versus dc universe but ever since Mark stepped back from the role, he's really kind of been the Joker. And in my opinion, he's potentially one of the best Jokers ever. And he may actually be my favorite just because he's so much of all these other Jokers from so many different mediums rolled into one. And he's a really talented voice actor with insane amounts of range. And uh, he was the guy that I studied the most because his natural speaking voice is the closest to my natural speaking voice of the other Jokers. So I figured if there was any Joker voice I could tie in on mine who luckily because of the way that the story works I'm pretty bulletproof because if you don't like my Joker then my Joker just wasn't the Joker that you know about he died again and that's your Joker or your Joker died and you got stuck with mine so mine doesn't have to be perfect but it would have sucked even more if I hadn't had him to to draw inspiration from because I was never going to be Troy Baker or Mark Hamill and they're all incredible in their own ways and he was just the most accessible for where my vocal range already is. Again, I am not a professional voice actor. I'm not even an amateur voice actor. I'm just a guy who talks and has a microphone. So, really appreciative of everyone who listened, who's gone on this journey. 
And, uh, yeah, stay tuned for a really cool episode with some Kevin Conroy and a bunch of behind-the-scenes stuff on how this whole monster got made. And we look forward to starting Season 2 of the Poppycock Podcast with you and seeing what happens next. And also, DC, if you liked what you heard, I am really cheap to hire. Like, I, I will write about Harley Quinn's, like, cousin's best friend. I will do a limited run of that for you. You hand me any character you want. I will work for so cheap. Just, I love you. Notice me, senpai. Por favor. All right, well... We look forward to seeing you again soon. Uh, Same bat time, same bat channel. We don't own the rights to that term either. Uh, It's from the 60s, though, so I don't don't know if they sell that trademark. But just in case, please don't sue us. We love you. And I'm very poor, so you wouldn't get much. Have a great day.